This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. As we were worshiping God, I was thinking, I've known this couple for around 25 years, and I don't know anybody walks any closer to Jesus than these guys do. They go to communist nations, Muslim nations. He's the missions director for AFCM. Goes all over the world, these troubled places. So if there's ever a, a couple I would like to listen to for the trouble in America today, it's somebody that's already been walking through places, got a whole lot worse trouble America's ever dreamed of. <laughs> and they'll, they'll have some words from heaven to help us today. And so have your notebooks out. Have your pens ready. Don't just listen to it. Write some things down because I know you're going to get answers today on how to do what we need to do. Because as far as I'm concerned, the world set up a revival right now. And we can't, we can't revive somebody if we're not revived. Yeah. So we need to receive all the life we can because we walk by faith, not by sight. We don't live in fear. We live in faith and we can help people. Amen. Let's give a hand to Brother Dana one more time. Yes. Thank you. I'm, I'm good. Yeah. Well, it's so good to be back at High Desert Word Center. You know, every time we come here, we feel right at home. Because this is the kind of church that we would want to be part of. If we lived here, we would be in here <laughs> every Sunday. And it's always good to come back to a church that supports us. You guys do on a monthly basis, so there's that big of a connection. And when we go overseas, here's what I know. You go overseas with us. You're supplying your part of the, in the Spirit through prayer. You're supplying a financial supply to us. And we go, you go. And so I'm the guy that took your pastor down to the Amazon and left him down there. I, you know, I felt really bad. I thought, what kind of mission team leader are you? You know, first of all, I didn't, I missed a flight, so I didn't catch up with him in LA and made him go through customs and get on another airplane, domestic and all of that on his own. I felt really bad about that too. But turns out I missed that flight and got me on a different airline, which is why I was able to get out of there on the last flight out of Peru. I was on it, but your pastor wasn't. I felt really bad. You know, we might have had some trouble going there and coming back, but I'll tell you what, the ministry time was just awesome. Your pastor, I mean, he preached, he taught, he laid hands on the sick and saw them recover. There was people getting born again. There was people getting filled with the Holy Ghost. He did an awesome job of ministry down there. And I'd have, I'd ask him again to go somewhere with me, but I'm not sure, I'm not sure he'll go. (laughs) Not anytime soon anyway, he said. Praise God. And so, yeah, we are ends of the earth ministries and we go to the places that a lot of people don't go to. You know, and in fact, April, we were supposed to have been in, in Vietnam putting the putting the AFCM video Bible school on video right now. Well, the last six years, they've been doing live schools there, which is kind of dangerous because the church in Vietnam is underground. It's in secret. It's against the law. And so when we go in there, we got to be careful so that don't, we don't get caught because that's against the law, too. And so we just figure it's now's the time to get the school on video so that, I mean, it's pretty hard to arrest a video. (laughs) And that video can go to any underground church that wants a Bible school and it can be training people right and left. And so we're planning to get there in August. 
You can go ahead and get in faith with us that we'll be able to go in August. We'll spend August, September there getting the school on video. And then we'll while we're in Asia, we'll still go to the Philippines. We'll go to Nepal. We might go to India or Sri Lanka. We'll go over there for about four months, come back just before Christmas. That's the plan. <laughs> and I believe this time it's going to take place. Glory to God. Because that's what we do. I mean, we go in and people say, what's your missionary, what's your mission strategy? It's really, really simple. We go in and train the leaders and they, the leaders then put it into their people. Their people go out and reap the harvest in their own nation. And they're going to other nations. You know, the mission field is actually sending missionaries into places that I could never get into. Praise God. Well, that's what we're doing. And I'll keep that short because I want to get into the word. I want you to open your Bibles with me to this morning to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians 5. <laughs> How many of you are glad to be alive and breathing today? I mean, sure beats the alternative, don't it? <laughs> Exciting times we're living in right now. You don't have to look at the news very much to see that we are definitely living in the end times. I mean, Jesus is coming back soon. But what's he waiting for? Well, I think I know what he's waiting for. He's waiting for the harvest. You know, James chapter 5 and verse 7 says that he's waiting for the precious fruit of the earth. Just like a farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth. That's what's going on. I tell you, our Father God is the best farmer there ever was or will be. And he planted his best seed into this earth. He gave his only begotten son and he's not calling it quits until he gets the biggest harvest that he can get. You know, right now, there are more people living on this planet, right now, alive on this planet, than have ever lived throughout history until this point in time. That's hard to put your mind around, but there's close to 8 billion people alive right now, and that's more than has lived throughout history. That's not an accident. That's our Father God's plan. Why? He really does love people. I mean, he loves people so much, he wants the biggest family he can get. And so why hasn't Jesus already come back? Because God wants a big family. You know, and also, uh, Matthew 11, uh, 24, 14 tells us, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. To all the nations. Now that word nations is coming from the Greek word ethos. And it means every language group, every tribal group, every people group. This gospel's got to go to all of those different tribes. And there's still about 8,000 of them that it's not gotten to. So what's the Lord waiting for? He's waiting for every tongue and tribe to come in. You know, it's like our Father God's sitting up there in heaven and he's waiting for all his kids to come. Every one of these tribes is like one of his kids. He's not calling a quiz until all his kids are in. <laughs> he wants the biggest family he can get. And see, God wants to wake the church up. You know, how many of you know the church in America needs to be woken up? And then he wants to revive, revive those who are awake. Hallelujah. See, this is the way I look at it. He wants to wake up the church so that he can then revive us. <laughs> you know, people say, which which one is it? Is it an awakening or is it a, is it a revival? And I look at them and say, it needs to be both. <laughs> we got to wake up and then we got to get revived. He wants to strengthen us so that we can finish strong. 
He wants to strengthen us so that we can fulfill our call and bring in this huge end-time harvest. Strengthen us so that we can enjoy this abundant life, not just endure life, not just survive this life, which is what a lot of people are doing right now. They're enduring and surviving. No, he wants us to enjoy this abundant life. You know, Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10 tells us that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And we need to remind ourselves just how true that verse really is. I mean, it is so true and we need that right now. There's just way too many of the church in America dragging around in survival mode, enduring life, but not really enjoying life. And then if you ask them, why is that going on? They really can't give you an answer. Often the problem is that we're just too spiritually weak to grab a hold of what God has already given to us. He's already provided it. We just need to reach out by faith and grab a hold of it. And so we, it's, it's like we need a tonic to put some muscle back into our believing. We need something to put a sparkle back in our eye and a spring back in our strep, step, which is exactly what the joy of the Lord will do. And see, we got to realize that joy is not the same as happiness. You know, happiness is, is a temporary condition of your flesh, <laughs> right? I mean, your, your flesh has got to be in the right place at the right time to feel in the right way for you to be happy. It's got to be comfortable. No, joy is a powerful spiritual force. It's, it's not based on outward circumstances. It's based on the condition of your heart. Happiness is weak. It's wimpy. It disappears every time trouble comes. Right? But joy is tough. I mean, if you'll let it, it'll keep flowing in the midst of the most difficult circumstances. You know, my wife and I, we've been married for 43 years. You know, I know we don't look old enough for that. That's because we were, you know, she was 12, I was 13. <laughs> no, kidding, kidding, kidding. We're from Montana, not West Virginia. <laughs> oh, glad that's not being streamed. <laughs> we were young, but we, you know, <laughs> serving God will keep you young. Amen. We've been through some stuff in 43 years. We've been in ministry together for 37 years. We've been through some tough stuff. I mean, we've been through stuff that no parent should have to go through. And I can remember in the middle of that, we we were keeping our joy levels up. And, and our, our son was in a hospital in Helsinki, Finland. And the people at the hospital, they thought, what is wrong with this couple? And so they, they weren't speaking English and we couldn't speak Finnish. So they were working through our interpreter, you know, an associate pastor of the church there. And this associate pastor said to him, well, what's the, what, what, what do you think? What's wrong with this? Don't you, don't you like the way they are? And they said, well, we kind of like the way they're handling things. We just don't understand it. We think they're in denial. We think they need psychiatric help. <laughs> And we didn't need psychiatric help. We were just allowing the joy of God to keep us strong in the midst of the most difficult situation we'd ever been in. And so that associate pastor was able to explain to them. She preached Jesus to them and a bunch of them got saved because of it. We just don't understand why they're like that. Well, she said, let me tell you why. Now, I realize if you're sitting there right now in the middle of trouble, you may feel like it may never be over, but it will. You know, Psalm 30, verse 5 says, Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. See, if you're a person of faith, it doesn't matter how dark conditions may seem to be. You can be sure that a brighter day is on the way. 
That's because the enemy cannot sustain an attack. He doesn't have that kind of power. So if you'll let the force of joy keep you strong, you'll outlast him. And he'll have to, he'll have to just give up in defeat. You know, the Apostle Paul confirms this in Galatians 5. Have you found it? Galatians 5. We're going to read verses 22, 23, very familiar verses. It says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, self-control. Against such there is no law. So joy is a fruit of the Spirit, and against such there is no law. Well, what's that mean? It means that no force of the enemy can rise up and overcome the fruit of the Spirit. And why is that? It's because Satan is not a creator. He cannot create anything. All he can do, he can't, he can't originate anything. All he can do is take what God has made and twist it and corrupt it, maybe into another form or into the exact opposite form. And something that is twisted and corrupted is not as strong as it was in its original state. I mean, think about it. If you take a piece of metal and you bend it, and then you bend it back, and you bend it and you bend it back, you can eventually break it. But as soon as you've done that, that piece of metal is not as strong as it used to be. You know, Liz and I on the mission field, we see a lot of vehicles that are on the road that shouldn't be. I mean, whoa, trucks and buses. You can tell they have been in some kind of major accident because they're going down the road kind of kind of cockeyed, you know, a little a little bit like crab-like. That wreck they were in was so bad, it twisted the frame to the point that their wheels, they're going straight down the highway, but their wheels are smoking and, and burning rubber and squealing. And you look at it and go, wow, that thing's so twisted. It looks like it could break in half right now. And it could. <laughs> I don't get on buses that look like that. <laughs> I don't want to break it in half while I'm on it. See, the enemy stuff is weaker than the original creation. So that means the devil has got to yield. He's got to give in. He's got to tap out when we continue to hold fast, strengthened by the grace of God. Now go with me to, to Psalm 105. Psalm 105. And so that means darkness must give in to light. Think about it. It happens every time. Every time it's dark and you bring a light in, darkness gives up. Hate must yield to love. Fear has got to yield to faith, and joy will defeat weakness and discouragement every time. And see, when that takes place, the joy that's inside of you just starts bubbling, bubbling out. And of course, that's a lot of fun. I think we all enjoy a good Holy, Holy Ghost laugh. Amen. Laughing in the Spirit is joy flowing. Proverbs 17:22 says, A merry heart does good like a medicine, but a broken spirit dries up the bones. A merry heart does good like a medicine. Turn to your neighbor and say, take your medicine. <laughs> you need to take your medicine. <laughs> you know, and the next time that the enemy is attacking you and you go ahead and take your medicine and let that joy just well up inside of you and start flowing out of you. And people look at you and wonder, how is it that you, maybe you need psychiatric help? Don't you understand how serious this condition is? You can just look at him and say, I'm on medication. <laughs> The joy of the Lord. Amen. Laughter. A merry heart does good like a medicine. Now, again, that is so much fun. But the truth of the matter is, God's not just out to give us a good time and a Holy Ghost giggle. 
He's got a much greater purpose in mind. He wants us to be full of joy because it's the force that will make us strong enough to finish the plan that he's called us to do. It's that it, it's the joy of the Lord will make us strong enough to actually bring this end time harvest in. It'll get us through even these perilous times that are going on right now. Amen. It'll give us the spiritual strength to rise up in the fullness of God's glory, fully healed, fully funded, so that we can reap this harvest and march right out, uh, right out of here into the great catching away, also known as the rapture. See, I'm convinced that this church is not going to slip out of this earth in defeat mode. We're not going to leave here like some whipped dog. No, Jesus is coming back for a glorious church, a church without spot, a church without wrinkle. He's going to take us out of here in glorious victory. I'm convinced he's going to do more for us than he did for Noah and his family when he saved them from the flood. Y'all remember that? Put them in an ark and saved them. He's going to do more for us than he did for the children of Israel when he took them out of Egypt. Which is what Psalm 105 is about. Look at it. Psalm 105. We're going to pick it up in verse 37. It says, He also brought them out with silver and gold, and there was none feeble among his tribes. Verse 38 says, And Egypt was glad when they departed. Tell you what, when we get raptured out of here, there's going to be a bunch of people glad on this planet too. They're going to be glad. Oh, they're finally out of here. Now we can really do what we want to do. Amen. Egypt was glad when they departed. Now drop it down to verse 43. He brought out his people with joy and his chosen ones with gladness. So verse 43 says, God brought out his people with joy. Well, no wonder they left with the wealth of Egypt. No wonder there was not one sick or diseased or feeble amongst all the tribes. See, the reason that we haven't seen more of this lately is because the church has kind of forgotten about this once again. You know, about 25 years ago, there was a revival of joy. Liz and I were in on it. In fact, we were at, we were at Ramah when, when it was breaking out all over the place. Our first two weeks at Ramah were nothing but Holy Ghost joy meetings. It was awesome. It was so much fun. But with every revival, there can be some excess. And see, there was a little bit of excess that went on, too, because after a while, any time the Holy Spirit started moving, people thought that they were just supposed to laugh. Even when that was not what the Holy Ghost wanted to do, but they got so conditioned. Oh, the Holy Ghost is moving. <laughs> they just start laughing, even though that's not what he wanted to do. He wanted to do something else. And so there was a little bit of excess involved. And then a lot of people went, well, you know, we're going to have to put the brakes on all of it. And so they did. But, you know, prior to the Word of Faith movement, prior to this revival of joy, the church was in such a sorry condition. I mean, the church thought the more sorry you looked, the more spiritual you were. The, the sicker you were, the more broke you were, the more you went through all kinds of bad stuff. Well, then the more spiritual you were. That's, the more sorry you looked, the more bowed down you were, the more that's what the church thought. Of course, nothing could be further from the truth. We know that God is a God of joy. The Bible says he sits in the heavens and he laughs. Jesus is a man of joy, was when he walked the planet, still is today. The Holy Spirit is a spirit of joy. And the scripture says that we are to imitate God as dear children. So we need to be full of joy too. 
no wonder Paul wrote, rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. Philippians 4.4, for those of you that are taking notes. I'm throwing a lot of scripture at you because I got one shot. (laughs) So you might just have to write a bunch of them down. To rejoice. I mean, what does that mean anyway? Well, it means to rejoy. And in order for you to re, that means there had to be some there to begin with. You know, the same is true with revival. Well, in order to get revived, you got to have to have been vibed. Vibe means life. And so you'd have to come to life. Revival means you got reliving, you're revived, you're refreshed. Well, rejoy means that you had to have some to begin with. And as soon as you were born again, you got some. Now, we've already seen the joy of the Lord is, is one of the fruits of the Spirit. So when you receive Jesus... The Holy Spirit moved into your heart and he brought all the fruit of the Spirit with him, which included joy. And before this morning is over, I'm going to show you several ways that you can stir up the joy that's already in you. Now go with me to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. Paul understood the link between joy and strength. That's why he prayed for the Colossians the way that he did. You know, this prayer is, is referred to as the Pauline prayer. You know, there's another, there's two more of them, one in Ephesians 1 and one in Ephesians 3. I really like this one in Colossians, and we're going to go ahead and read it. You know, I pray this for myself. I pray it for my spiritual leaders. I pray it for the President of the United States. It's awesome. Look at it with me. Colossians 1, we're going to pick it up in verse 9. It says, For this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Who that is good for you to pray for yourself. That is good for you to pray for your pastors. That's good for you to pray for the president of the United States. That you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. That you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. And then verse 11, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long suffering with joy. Now, if you diagram verse 11, what's that mean? Well, if you pull out the middle part of that verse, now don't worry, we'll put it back. You know, because some of you are, whoa, whoa, he's subtracting from Scripture. No, we'll put it back. We're just going to pull it out for a minute so that you can see what it's saying here. So if you pull that out, it says, you can see that it says, we we are strengthened with all might with joy. Strengthened with all might. With joy, So Paul confirmed that which was true in Nehemiah's day under the old covenant is still true today under the new. The joy of the Lord really is our strength. Now let's put the verse all the way back together again. It says, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy. It is joy-inspired strength which enables us to be patient and long-suffering. Now, have you ever wondered what's the difference between patience and long-suffering? I mean, I used to read that and I'd wonder and I've, I finally, you know, I got smart enough to ask God, what is the difference between patience and long-suffering? Obviously, there's a difference or you wouldn't have put both of them in there. And here's what he showed me. I studied and he talked to me and, and patience is what you need when you're dealing with difficult situations. What you need when you're diff- dealing with difficult stuff. Long-suffering is what you need when you're dealing with difficult people. How many of you know you need both of them? <laughs> you need both of them. You need patience and you need long-suffering. 
And see, if your supply of either one of those is running low, you, may, you might just need to check your joy supply because it could be the reason why. See, the fact is, joy and the strength that it provides are far more important than we ever thought. Now, you may not feel like you got any joy right now. But if you're a born-again child of God, you got it in your heart. Joy is living in your spirit. You just need to purposely stir it up and revive which is what is already there. Well, how do you do that? So glad you asked. Go with me to John chapter 15. First, we're going to look at stirring, at stirring up our joy by meditating in the Word of God. So you can understand why the Word is so important to your joy when you read some of the last things that Jesus said to His disciples before He went to the cross. We're going to read John chapter 15. John 15. And I'm going to read verse 11. It says, these things I've spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. These things I've spoken to you. Now, if if you read John chapters 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17, and I, I would I, I would recommend that you do it, they're almost all in red because these are the words of Jesus. See, these things I've spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. So we need to read what these things Jesus said. And as long as you're reading John, you know, 13, 14, 15, so you might as well read the whole book. <laughs> because Jesus is the Word, right? And it'll all be good for you. But we're to read these words. Why? So that His joy may remain in us, and that our joy may be full. See, we need to go ahead and look at Jesus as our example. You know, Hebrews 12, 2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. I mean, how did he endure the worst possible situation that he had ever faced? How did he get through death on the cross? How did he get through having the sin of all mankind placed upon a spotless spirit? How did he get through the fact that he was separated from his father for the first time in history? How did he get through it? For the joy that was set before him. I mean, he looked into history. He looked into the future and he saw us. And, and what did it, what did that do? Oh, it gave him joy. It gave him joy to see the family of God grow like that. It gave him joy to see so many brothers and sisters brought into the family. It gave him joy. And what did that joy do? It, it strengthened him so that he could endure it. Well, we're not going to have to ever go through what he went through. He did it for us, but he's an example for us. And I believe we can get our joy stirred up by seeing this end-time harvest coming into the kingdom of God, by seeing people receiving Jesus right here in the community. That'll, that'll stir your joy up. Glory to God. Amen. Now go write a page to John 16, verse 24. More words in red. Jesus said, until now, you've asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive, that your joy may be full. See, we're talking about ways that you, things that you can do to stir up your joy. See, when you meditate in the Word of God, and revelation rises in your heart, it's going to stir your joy. You know, I can remember when I discovered, when I got the revelation that salvation not only included forgiveness of my sin, but also healing of my body. 
and soundness for my drug-rattled mind. I'm a child of the 70s. I was a hippie. Before that, I was a cowboy. Then I went hippie. I had a pastor ask me, how did that happen? I said, it was the 70s, man. (laughs) But when I got the revelation that my salvation included soundness of mind, boy, did I need it. And healing for my body, boy, did I need that. When I got the revelation of that, I mean, my joy got stirred up. Praise God. (laughs) He really did supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. Amen. See, your joy stirred up because you begin to have a deeper knowledge of your father about how much he really does love you. It's stirred up because you realize you can go boldly before the throne of grace and obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You can do that based on his word. You can be confident that your prayers are not only heard, but they're actually answered. Ask, and you will receive that your joy may be full. Now, let's look at how this works for a minute. If you've been sad, down, depressed over a lack of victory in some area of your life, you know, for example, maybe a lack of healing manifestation. If you think on that lack, it'll make you sad. It'll bring you down. It could even make you depressed. You know, about a year ago, I got diagnosed with cancer. And it rocked me back a little bit until I, until I, you know, when I rocked me back until I will hold the phone here. This is not my first rodeo. (laughs) I've been through some stuff before and I'll make it through this. Yeah, there was a, there was a diagnosis there. And of course the enemy was right there trying to inject thoughts into my thinking. You know, thoughts like, ooh, you got cancer. You know, that's the same kind of cancer that killed your dad. What are you going to do? Well, I knew what to do. I knew to take those thoughts captive, just like the word says to do. You know, Brother Hagin used to tell us that you can't keep the devil from injecting thoughts, but you can sure keep yourself from thinking them. I mean, he used to say you can't keep a bird from flying over your head, but you can sure keep it from making a nest in your hair. <laughs> Amen. I mean, he might inject the thought, but that doesn't mean you got to think it. No, it means you got to identify where it came from, take it captive, and change it into a positive thought. Amen. Replace those negative. Because if you if you if you concentrate on the negative, I could have concentrated on that diagnosis of cancer, but I knew no, I got to go ahead and replace those thoughts with the Word of God. I've got to go ahead and do what the Holy Spirit's telling me to do, and follow that, and and I'm cancer free because of it. I had me some surgery, but that surgeon was a faith man. When I talked to him, he said, we can get it. We can get it all. You know, most of the time they're going, well, trying to hedge their bets a little bit. You know, you know, 50-50 chance. This guy was saying, man, we can get it. We can get it all. <laughs> I go back for a screening, and, and the screening, it's just like what we thought. There's no trace of cancer. I've had like three of those, and every time that's what he's saying. It's just like we expected. But man, you're a faith guy and you don't even know it. <laughs> but you got to take those negative thoughts captive and replace them with thoughts like Psalm 103, verses 2 through 5, some of my favorite. Go ahead and personalize it. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all of my iniquities, who heals all of my diseases, who redeems my life from destruction, who crowns me with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies my mouth with good things, so that my youth is renewed like the eagles. 
See, if you'll replace those sad, down, depressed thoughts with the word, joy will be stirred. And then instead of crying about what the devil's doing, you can go ahead and start shouting and laughing about what God is doing. You can laugh and say, devil, you might as well quit. You might as well give up. Just pack it up and go home because by the stripes of Jesus, I am healed. The victory has been won. Now, Proverbs 15, 23, you might want to write this one down. It says, a man has joy by the answer of his mouth. A word spoken in due season, how good it is. A man has joy by the answer of his mouth. And so when you start answering the troubles and trials that you're facing with the Word of God, joy will be stirred up in you and it'll run the devil off. He cannot stand to be around a joyful Christian. Now, another way to stir up joy is to go ahead and fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Look with me at Romans 14, 17. You can't get there in time. I'll just read it to you. Romans 14, 17. It says, for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. There's joy in the Holy Spirit. So hook up with him. And what's an effective way with hooking up with him? An effective way of hooking up with the Spirit of God is to pray in tongues. You know, I remember Brother Hagin was doing a, a minister's conference with a bunch of pastors. And it was kind of an intimate setting. They were all sitting around a table with him. And these pastors, they, 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 they all wanted to ask him. One of them finally got enough, up, enough courage to ask Brother Hagin, Brother Hagin, what's your secret? What's the secret of your success in life and ministry? And Brother Hagin just kind of went, Yep, yep, uh, praying in tongues. Praying in tongues a lot. <laughs> they were expecting some big, long, big, big, full of scripture answer, and he just told them what he, what he thought. Pray in tongues. Well, here's the deal. First Corinthians 14, 15, Paul said, I will pray with the Spirit, and I will also pray with the understanding. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will also sing with the understanding. Paul said, I will. And in doing so, he's telling us that it's up to our will. See, there's joy in the Holy Spirit, so will yourself to hook up with him by praying and singing in the Spirit. Go ahead and exercise your will. You know, when Liz and I are traveling overseas, and even here in America, we come into some churches where they've really not been taught about being baptized in the Holy Spirit and speaking in other tongues. They've not been taught to the degree that they need to be. And they've had hands laid on them. You know, they probably went out under the, under the power of God and they spoke in other tongues and it was ten years ago and they haven't done it since. And why is that? Well, they think that in order for them to speak in tongues, they gotta fall out under the power again. Or they gotta, they gotta shake under the power or, or the, the hair on the back of their neck's gotta stick up, you know. Then they know, okay, now I can speak in tongues. They just haven't been taught. And so Liz and I will go in and teach on this aspect. No, it is subject to your will. You can will to do this anytime you want. You can be praying in tongues anytime you will to do it. Well, the same is true when it comes to stirring up your joy. The same is true for you rejoicing. You can do that anytime you will. Go ahead and hook up with the Holy Ghost and with your will... Pray in the Spirit, sing in the Spirit, rejoice according to your will, and He'll fire you up. Amen. Now, 
you, you may start out thinking that you don't have much to praise God for, especially if you're going through a real dark time. Been there, done that. Well, I ain't got a whole lot to, but, but if you'll go ahead and start doing, you'll quickly find out that you got plenty. See, if you can't think of anything else, just go ahead and center in on the fact that your sins have been washed away by the blood of Jesus and you're on your way to heaven. If you can't think of nothing else because, you know, the enemy's attacking you on all sides and it's just looking dark and, and it's just looking dreary. If you can't think of anything else, well, my sins are washed away by the blood of Jesus and I'm on my way to heaven. <laughs> you start out that way. Go ahead and center in on those things. And you might have to start out crying when you're doing it. Been there. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> you blessed me, Lord. I'm good. My sins have been washed away and I'm on my way to heaven. You might have to start out crying, but if you'll go ahead and keep doing it, amen. Amen. Because the, the Bible says, put on the garment of praise for that spirit of heaviness. And it's like if you go outside on a cold winter day without your coat and you get cold, you're smart enough to know that if you put a coat on, hello, put on that garment... Now, when you put that coat on, do you feel warm immediately when you're really cold like that? No. But if you put that coat on and leave it on, you will begin to feel warm. And so in the midst of your troubles, if you begin to rejoice, if you begin to praise God, you may not feel. Now, now listen, sometimes people say, well, I just don't feel like rejoicing. Hey, feelings got nothing to do with it. You don't have to feel any certain way to rejoice. You just need to go ahead and do it. And in fact, when you're feeling like you don't want to do it the most, that's the time when you need to do it the most. Go ahead and will yourself to rejoice in the Lord. And while you're doing that, you might have to start out crying when you're doing it. But if you keep doing it, it's like putting that coat on. Eventually, you'll start to feel warm when you begin to rejoice like that, even though you don't feel like doing it. If you keep doing it, eventually you will feel rejoiceful. Is that a word? <laughs> you will begin to feel like rejoicing. Amen. Glory to God. Rejoicing is an act of the will. Like praying in tongues is an act of the will. You don't feel like it, just go ahead and do it anyway. You know, if you're having financial problems, don't stay up all night worrying about how you're going to pay your bills. If you're going to stay up, stay up rejoicing. Stay up praising God, pray in tongues, sing in the Spirit, give thanks, worship God, continue until your joy is stirred. Then keep on rejoicing until you're so filled with the strength that God, nothing or nobody can stop you. Keep on rejoicing until your body is well. Keep on rejoicing until people start coming up to you and say, hey, hey, what is it about you? I want something of what you got there. I happen to know you're going through a real dark time, but you're acting like you're on some kind of joy, right? How are you doing that? Through Jesus. Amen. See, think about it. Wouldn't it be awesome if we just kept rejoicing every day until the glory of God filled every nook and cranny of this planet? Let's get on with it. So we can rejoice our way right into the strength of God so that we can finish this job that he's given us to do. The Great Commission, go preach this gospel to every creature, preach it to every tongue, preach it to every tribe, preach, preach it to every people group. Get them born again and then we can go on out of here from one degree of glory to another. Amen. Let's rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your word today. 
We thank you, Lord, that it is quick, it is powerful, it is sharper than any two-edged sword. It is capable of dividing between the spirit and soul of a man. And Father, I'm asking in Jesus' name that you would empower this word, that you would bring it to life in everybody's heart today, that it wouldn't be one that they just listened to, but that it would be one that they put into practice. That they would do this word and not be a hearer only, but do this word and get the strength that comes from it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Pastor David. All right, man. That was an awesome word, wasn't it? Got me fired up. Hey, I'll be here at the 11 o'clock, too, so I'm going to double dip. So sorry about y'all. Uh, amen. Well, we're going to go ahead and start winding the service down, but uh, we're going to take up our Sunday morning tithes and offerings. And again, uh, the, the way we're doing that right now is the best way to give currently is online. Um, so hcwc.org slash giving. There's a tab on there uh, for general fund. There's also one that says guest speaker. So if you want to give, uh, we're going to be receiving an offering for our regular tithes and offerings and for Dana and Liz. Uh, so uh, if you were giving online, you would select uh, the guest speaker option for their offering. But also, if you want to give by cash or check, we've got two tables back there uh, with envelopes that have, uh, people have handled with sterilized hands and gloves and all that fun stuff. So uh, you can grab an envelope. There's a separate table to fill it your information out on. And then there's two buckets. One says guest speaker, one says uh, regular or general or something like that. And you can give that way, which is awesome, too. Uh, but the most important thing is that we're faithful in our giving either way. Amen. And so God's good. I'll let you guys handle that. And uh, we're getting ready to start closing out in prayer. But I want to remind you, um, as we uh, close out, you're going to exit at the right hand door over there where Mike and Lawrence are at. And we do ask that uh, you can hang out in the parking lot. That's fine, man. You can fellowship out there, but we do have to kind of get you out that way because we disinfect the seats and everything for the next service, right? So being as clean and safe as we can be. But wasn't that an awesome word this morning, man? I needed that. That was good. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Amen. So let's go ahead. We're going to say our financial faith confession together, and then we will close out with the Barstow faith confession. Amen. Let's say some words of faith over our giving. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all my financial needs so I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give generously in the kingdom of God, and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Who believes that this morning? That God is supplying all of our needs. All right. So we're going to speak some words of faith over Barstow with our Barstow faith confession. And it's been beautiful this week to see that our words of faith that we've been speaking for six months have protected our city and brought peace and joy and safety to everybody that lives here. So God is using these words of faith. Amen. All right. Let's speak this and then we'll be dismissed. You can do your uh, offering again. We're back there where Lawrence is at. 
that and you're going to exit on those right hand doors. Remember, service tonight, six o'clock, Facebook, YouTube, and I think it's directly. No, it won't be on our Web page, but Facebook and YouTube. And then uh, Wednesday night service, 7 p.m. right here. This past was uh, we had an awesome time. So we want to encourage you to be here as much as you can. Amen. Let's go ahead and speak some words of faith over bar. So let's stand up together and do this, man. Come on. Let's stand up in faith. God is good, and it is nice to be back inside the house together as a family, isn't it, man? Ah, We missed each other. Let's speak these words together. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.